Welcome to the Fit and Fierce podcast, a show to inspire and empower you and remind you that we're all a little messed up and that's okay. I'm your host, Megan, and in my personal journey, I realized that the fiercest thing I ever did was ask for help. I no longer wanted my story to rule me. I was going to own it and share it. And as I bring you the stories of these amazing women, I want you to remember that being flawed doesn't make you less, it makes you more. All right, I have a confession for all of you. I'm a type A, yeah, a perfectionist to a T. Everything in my life needs to be ordered. It needs to be controlled. It's my sanity, it's my safe place. It's not always a good thing. (laughs) I think a lot of times the things that somebody told me this once and it stuck with me so, so strongly. They said to write down your strengths. And so I jotted down all my strengths and all the things that I thought were so positive about me. And then they said, oftentimes, do you think the things that are our strengths are really our weaknesses? (sighs) My mind was totally blown. It was this monumental phrase that somebody had given me and it made total sense. All of the things that I prided on, all of the things that made me me and that I thought were truly, truly my strengths were really my weaknesses. That type A perfectionist, yeah, great. That means that I get a lot done and I'm a high achiever and I don't settle for no for an answer. And there is positivity in that. I don't get me wrong. There is a lot of positivity in in that. But there's also a lot of negativity in that. There's also a lot of weakness because that those personality traits means that I don't bend. I don't flow. I can't go off the cuff very easily. Means that I'm really tightly wound. And that I carry a lot of stress and in a lot of anxiety, especially in situations that bring me out of my comfort zone, especially in situations where I don't have full control. You roll that into somebody with addictive behaviors and tendencies and disordered eating and oh sweet Mary, do you have one juicy ball of disaster rolling for you? And that is totally me. I fell into that and dove head in head first into that. Because a lot of times, I don't even think a lot of times, most of the time with disordered eating, it has to do with control. It Disordered eating never has anything to actually do with food. Even though it's all about food, it has nothing to do with food. The driving force of disordered eating is not food itself. It's a means of control. It's a means of manipulating a situation. So I felt like I had the power. In reality, there's nothing powerful about it. I held no control about it. I was completely consumed and driven by my disorders not vice versa, but for a long time, I thought I was in control. That mentality also forced me to have anxiety. It forced me to get so worked up and wound up about situations where I wasn't fully in control of what I was eating and how I was eating and how I was exercising that 
I just shut down. I walled down and I couldn't maneuver any situation that wasn't completely rigid, tight in my schedule, in my control, because I was so fixated on being in control, I didn't know how to bend. That's where those personality traits come in to be a weakness instead of a strength. I couldn't flow a work conference where food was catered in. Are you freaking kidding me? I'll just bring my own Tupperware and I'll just eat out of that. Thank you very much. I'm a picky eater was what I would tell people. It's just easier for me to eat on my own. I couldn't flow and bend going out to eat to a dinner where I didn't know the menu ahead of time or going out to a friend's house or a family member's house and eating where I didn't know what was going to be served. Like, holy shit, how am I supposed to do that? I can't do that. I can't, I'm going to break. Like, that's not my control. I can't do that. That's where that personality type really comes to be an Achilles heel instead of something that's helpful. And it's not specifically just with my disordered eating that I struggled with that. I mean, it was in all aspects of my life. When I didn't know going into ahead of time what a situation would bring, holy Jesus, it just, it, it crushed me and crushed me. And I think a lot of times what happens with type A personalities is we can really get into that all or nothing mentality. And I've lived on both ends of the spectrum. It's very interesting to me. I've talked about this on my Instagram in some posts that I've shared. And in one aspect, on the extreme end of all or nothing, was my addictions to exercise. In that aspect of my life, there never was a nothing. That was inconceivable. That didn't even register There was no nothing about exercise. There was no question of if you miss a session, what will happen? Because I didn't miss a session. I didn't miss a day. I went years, years without taking one day off. And that meant getting up at 2.30, 3 o'clock in the morning to get a workout in before I traveled. That meant dogging it all day long, busting my tail, and still trying to squeak a workout in. And there was just no question that there was going to be a workout in that day. Because underlying all of that was truthfully a fear that if I missed a day, I would gain weight, period. I'm not going to sugarcoat it. I'm not going to say that there was any other reason. Exercise became so much my identity. It was the only thing that I knew to label myself with. It was the way that I described myself. So thinking about a day where I didn't exercise gave me anxiety. It actually put me into anxiety attacks because I couldn't even grasp what that would look like. And then you throw in, of course, things like a Fitbit that I wore on my wrist that I had to get 10,000 steps and got that little buzz. You add those other incentives to it and it just adds fuel to that fire. That is where that type A personality, again, was my weakness and not a strength because I was so rigid in that thinking that, my God, if I miss a day, I'm going to gain weight. When in reality, my body was so stressed, the stress hormones were going like crazy, the cortisol levels were so off the charts high that when I did rest, my body responded so well, I actually lost a little weight. I actually wasn't stiff and sore. I actually had better workouts when I started incorporating rest and recovery into my weekly schedule for exercise. When I was 
so addicted to exercise, I was constantly injured um, to the point where I had broken bones in my feet multiple times. I just, I had kind of every endurance injury that you could label it on. And even that wasn't an excuse to stop. I still exercised with those injuries, but that just set me back. That never actually got me the progress that I wanted because I was spending so much of my time recouping and recovering from an injury which again was never a full recovery or a recoup because I was still exercising in some form or fashion during that time. But it was just this vicious, vicious cycle. It was my body screaming at me that I couldn't live in that all mentality. I had to find this middle ground. And then on the other ways, I've lived on the end of that spectrum where I've set a goal and I didn't hit it. And a lot of times our goals are interpersonal. You know, nobody knows specifically that I, I'm not somebody who shares. That's, I'm a very private person. Even though I'm on a podcast telling you guys all my dirty secrets, I'm getting better about it, I promise. But I don't, a lot of times when I have goals, for a long time actually, for many years, I wouldn't verbalize that to somebody because there was a fear in my mind that if I didn't meet that goal, then everybody that I had verbalized it to, they would know and I would look like a failure. So it was just easier to keep those goals internalized. But then when I wasn't meeting them, I had nobody to hold me accountable. It didn't matter. My friends, my family, the person next to me, me not reaching a goal didn't impact any of them. But it was letting myself down. I was failing on myself because I was disheartened because I wasn't hitting my target. I wasn't hitting my goal right away. So I would just give up because that was easier than dealing with the fact that I'm a perfectionist and I'm failing and I don't like to fail. So I'm just going to give up because me not being perfect at something didn't feel nice. It still doesn't feel nice. So it's just easier to just quit. It was just easier to ditch it. Because at least I just, fine, at least I just say like, oh, I just didn't have time for it. I would have some excuse why I didn't do it. Because simply it was just easier than me facing the fact that I'm not perfect at everything. I'm not going to be perfect at everything. And that's just life. So I've had to find this place of middle ground. Again, I've lived on both ends of that spectrum. I've lived on the all. I've lived on the nothing. But this middle ground is where life happens. The first time that somebody really talked to me about this middle ground, it was told to me as perfection isn't actually a thing. I mean, it's not a space. We don't really hold space in perfect. Because if you get there, there's always going to be somebody that tops that. There's always going to be somebody that can edge you out just a little bit and they push that boundary just a little bit more. The other thing that happens when we get to this perfect land is that we can kind of get complacent because where do you have to grow if you're the best? Where do you grow if you're on top? Like you've reached the top of the mountain. Now what? Like you're just there. So why do you have to keep working at something? It's kind of boring actually. Why do you have to keep striving for something if you've hit perfect if you've hit as good as you can go you can kind of get lazy and then when you get lazy that's just easy to kind of fall off too and just get into that nothing mentality because it's not really a challenge anymore 
And it might sound good in the beginning, but after a while, eh, eh, it's just blah. So this space of middle ground, the space of not perfect, not failure, but good enough, kind of made, not even kind of, I'm going to flat out say, like hearing the phrase, you have to tell yourself you're good enough. God, who's good enough? That's disgusting. That made that type A personality scream at the top of her lungs. Gross. Ugh. Foul. Nobody's good enough. That's just average. Who wants to be average? Yeah, good enough. That's life. That's life, ladies. That's where we flex. That's where we bend. That's where we breathe. That's where we live is good enough. Because being good enough isn't the place where we're complacent. Again, that's perfection. That's failure. That's the extreme ends of the spectrum. Good enough is where we get to flourish. Good enough is where we get to still feel challenged and we get to grow. Good enough is a place of fostering. Good enough is life. It's the space that allows us to live not in a rigid, tight, tight space. Good enough is a place where it balances our strengths and our weaknesses, especially if you're that type A, especially if you're a perfectionist, because you still get to grow. You still get to move. You still get to make progress, but it's not, I didn't hit it in the first mark. Now I'm a failure. And coming at any goal, you really, truly, truly have to come from a place of, I'm going to accept that I am good enough right where I am today. I'm going to love it. I'm going to embrace it. I'm going to take every piece of that and not get lazy in it, not let myself just sit in the middle, but always continue every day to take one tiny little step that gets me one close to being one step closer to just being a tiny bit better than I was yesterday. Not defeated because I'm not at my end goal. Not throwing in the towel because I'm not perfect. But living and moving and continuing to flourish and continuing to grow. So I want all of you to know you are good enough today. Right where you're at. Don't get comfortable in that. Don't let that become safe. Still press that boundary. Still push just a little bit more. But you are good enough. And I'm good enough. And still, I will, I will share a little secret. Still sometimes makes me feel kind of eh, icky to say I'm good enough, but I am. And so are you.